What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Again, my name is Caleb Rutherford, the host of this podcast here that airs as a part of the Scattered Abroad Network. I am so appreciative, so grateful that you have made it with me uh, thus far. Episode number 15, I believe this is, uh, for season number five. It's crazy to think how far we've come. Uh, and we're just appreciative of the fact that you are with us uh, to listen, to study, and to grow uh, with each of us here at the Scattered Abroad Network, we always say go to our website, scatteredabroad.org. You can find out all the information that you need to find out there. And certainly we hope that you will take advantage of all of the podcasts and other resources that we have available uh, for you. Um, this particular series, What is Christian Living? It has been one that has been beneficial to me. I hope it has been beneficial to you as well. Um, and you may be thinking, well, Caleb, we are coming up on the last couple of episodes. We have four episodes left because we're splitting each one of these into a part one and part two. So today we're talking about love. Uh, next week, we're going to finish out the idea of love. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the word why. Now, I know why is not a uh, Christian grace <laughs> if you've studied uh, ahead in Second Peter chapter one. <clears throat> but we're going to look at the idea of why this study is even important. Why well, even look through these particular Christian characteristics that we are to put on um, and why Peter made it a point, why the Holy Spirit made it a point to inspire Peter to write these things. Um, so we're going to look at those for a couple of weeks, but then after that, we're going to bring in some guests. You're finally going to get to hear somebody other than me, and we're going to talk about for the last four episodes of the season, we're going to look at the question of what does Christian living mean to you? And we're going to have a few guys on. Um, you, uh, I think they've all, all of them have already been on uh, before, and uh, I'm super excited to have them on uh, the podcast to do something uh, like this with me uh, as we close out this season. And then we'll be looking ahead for next season, which will be beginning in August. But I'll save all of those details uh, for a later time. What is Christian living? Let's talk about the word love again. It's interesting when you think about how far we've come in this study. We started so long ago with the idea of faith, uh, how everything builds off of faith. It builds from faith. Um, you and I understand without faith as our foundation, without Christ as our foundation, we will never grow. Um, and growing really is the whole premise of this entire study. The idea of Christian living is growing and striving to be the best that we can be for God in our lives here on this earth. So today and next week, let's talk about the word love. In the Greek language, and I am sure that you already know this, but in the Greek language, there are four different types of love, four different types of words, excuse me, used for the word love. Um, they are the words storge, there's, there is the word eros, there is the word phileo, and the word agape. Now, last week we talked about the phileo love, right, the, um, the brotherly love. <clears throat> um, that we have with uh, specifically towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, you have the Eros love. That is the, <clears throat> excuse me, that is that sexual love between a man, uh, between a husband and a wife. And then you have the Storge love. That is the love between family. But then you also have this word agape. And I think agape is, I would say, the most uh, well-known, most popular, I guess, so to speak, um, most popular one of these uh, words for love, one that everybody knows. And the definition is this, it is deliberately and thoughtfully doing what is spiritually best for the other person. It is that which is unconditional. And so when I think about the word agape, I think about this idea of, you know, looking out and looking at what is best uh, for every single person, right? And that we're going to treat them 
and we're going to do what's best for them in the and treat them the right way, regardless of what they have done or maybe have not done for me. And again, think about this. Last week, last couple of weeks, we talked about this from the standpoint of our brethren, of our brothers and sisters. But this, this word agape, it encompasses everybody, every single person. So he begins by talking about the love we need to have for our brothers and sisters, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, love your brethren, but then look at the world and hate them. No, he says, love them as well. That's what unconditional love is, isn't it? The idea that I don't care what you may have done in your past, I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to do what's best for you. I'm still going to try to put you in the best position possible so that you will succeed. That's such a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? Such a hard thing to to think about, such a hard thing to to have to go through, um, especially considering oftentimes people have done things to us, perhaps in ways that we you know wish they never would have. Um, it's a hard lesson to learn because if someone wrongs us or does something they shouldn't, so oftentimes, what do we want to do? We want to get back at them, don't we? We want to do the same thing. That's not agape love, is it? John chapter 13 uh, and verse 35. When I, when I think about Christians, you know, so many things ought to come to mind, right? Characteristics, uh, traits, those things that are not in the body of Christ, um, that or excuse me, Characteristics and traits that those who are not in the body of Christ should see within us. So when somebody looks at you, they think, oh, I see how they act. I see how they live. They must be a Christian. Um, and in fact, if you go back through 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, many of those characteristics, there they really define who we are as Christians, don't they? Uh, but I think that there is one that stands head and shoulders above the rest, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. In John chapter 13, notice with me, beginning of verse 35, he says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So coming off the heels of washing his feet, uh, or washing his disciples' feet, excuse me, he's bringing to light that Judas is going to betray him. He gets into this dialogue about what the new commandment is, and you go back to verse 34, he says, love one another just as he has loved everyone. But then he says what we read a moment ago, the idea that the world is going to know that you and I belong to Jesus. We belong to him simply because of our agape, our agape love for those around us. In other words, you see, love ought to be our defining characteristic as a Christian, that which should showcase who we are. As followers of Jesus, more than anything else, they should be able to see our love and think, ah, I know that they belong to Christ because of the way that they love the people around them. Think about another passage. How about Mark chapter 12? Mark chapter 12, um, another another passage that has this same premise of love. Again, when we look at the lives of Christians, uh, we know that not only should our characteristics be revolved around love, but in truth, it really ought to be a great priority in our lives, right? It ought to be something that you and I deem to be so very important. When I think about the scribes here in Mark 12, they've come to him and they've asked him, you know, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And you notice how he answers them beginning of verse 29. He says, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. You see, our top priority in life must be to love God, to give him the respect and the honor that he deserves. Now, we won't linger on the last part of this because we're going to get there 
um, later on either in this episode or in next week's episode. But you see, our love for God, that command, it's the first greatest commandment, isn't it? That's how important this is, that above all else, you showcase your love for God. How about another passage? Think about Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, when I think about this, the Apostle Paul is talking again, uh, once again, about things that define the people who are the elect of God, talking about Christians, those who are, in fact, chosen. Uh, it's the same form of the Greek word that Peter used in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, a chosen generation. And what is Paul saying about us as Christians? Put on these different characteristics and traits, isn't he? But then you get to verse 12 and verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3, and he says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, longsuffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, you must also do. But then he continues on in verse 14, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. What does he say? Above all these things, are those other things important? Of course they are. Otherwise, Paul would never even have mentioned them. Paul never would have put them in the scriptures. But what is most important, this idea of agape love, because it is that which bonds us together, that which unifies us. That word bond in the Greek in verse 14 is a word that is used that gives the idea of the ligaments that hold the body together. You see, once we have that agape love, the unity, that bond comes. All those other characteristics and traits will naturally flow from us if we have the right kind of love. I want to talk about the word love um, really from four different ways uh, during today and tomorrow, or not tomorrow, during today and next week. Um, we're going to look at the first, wor first word that I want to look at, and then next week we will look at the last three. Um, and there's four because the word love has four letters. And so each letter is going to be a different point. And the first one, and the only one that we're going to look at today, next week we'll finish up the last three, is this. The word lifts. Love lifts. I want you to think about Romans chapter 5 uh, for just a moment. Romans chapter 5. We know this passage, but I find it interesting when we look at this from the perspective, uh, really from the love of God, because so many times, um, you know, we read this from our perspective, and rightly so, right? It brings, uh, I don't know, it sort of brings this verse into a whole new light, doesn't it? If, if you think about it, from looking at it from God's perspective. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you look at that word demonstrate, it is the word synestemi, this idea of recommending or collecting. And so, in other words, God is taking his agape love that he has uh, for his creation, putting it all together, uh, and then granting it to mankind. Not to mention the fact that he created this world, God sustains life, God preserved his perfect word through all of time, God created the perfect institution, talking about the church, and allowed us to have an opportunity to be a part of that, despite what he has put into our lives and shown us a perfect pattern of how to live, even with all of that. He granted us, through his grace, the opportunities for salvation. And within that, Christ died for us. This idea is literally the grand theme of God's entire eternal plan, is it not? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. We know, rather he knew, that you and I as free moral agents would sin. He knew that 
there would be times when we would turn our backs on him and go against him. We would be disobedient, disrespectful, rebellious. And he also understood Hebrews 10 and verse 4 that the blood of bulls and goats would never suffice. It would hold them over for a little while, but they would have to keep doing it. Thus, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb, talking about Christ, certainly was necessary. You know, it's at the heart of the Bible message, really at the heart of the message of the entire book. Without it, there would be no hope for anyone. You know, so often I think we forget, though, what Paul continues to talk about here in Romans chapter 5. Because in verse 9, he says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, just if I'd never sinned. Justified by his what? His blood. He had to shed his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. You know, when we look at salvation as a whole, I guess there's really two phases to it, aren't there? Number one, there's salvation from the guilt of the past sins in our lives. And then number two, there's the salvation from eternal death. You see, if you and I could be saved from the guilt of our past actions, that certainly would be great. But to know that we are saved from eternal death, never-ending punishment from hell, friends, that's the greatest gift we could ever be given. When you and I were so low, so encompassed with sin, love lifted us out of that. It gave us an opportunity for a fresh start. It gave us an opportunity for heaven. It gave us an opportunity to enter into a debt that you and I could never, ever pay. Love Lifted Me, song written by Mr. James Rowe. And it was inspired by the events found in Matthew chapter 14, whenever all of the apostles were on the boat in the middle of the storm, uh, as well as Matthew chapter 8, whenever Jesus was sleeping during the storm. The idea of being so sunk, so deep within our worries and woes, yet understanding that Jesus is there to lift us out. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Souls in danger look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. But the master of the sea billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. I hope that this study this morning or whenever it is that you're listening to it has been helpful for you. I'm looking forward to next week as we continue in a part two of the word love as we finish out talking about the three points we have left and then we will get into some other things as we continue on throughout uh, the rest of this season. I'm so appreciative, so thankful that you're with us. If you would, go to our website, scatteredabroad.org. Find whatever podcast there you want to listen to. Search them on all the major podcast platforms. Subscribe, give a rating, review, share it, and let us know what you think. Certainly, we're appreciative of you and your support. And until next week, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.